Welcome to Courageous Conversations podcast number nine and I am very excited to have Maria Findakakis from the EVU Group in Melbourne on the line. Hi Maria. Hello Leanne, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks so much for spending some time with me this afternoon. I'm so looking forward to um, having a chat to you guys about this topic. It's one of my favourite ones. Oh, is it? Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolute pleasure. So let's just go back to the beginning of your um, of your career starting. You came to Australia and you were in um, you had fish and chip shops, didn't you? So I met Manos. <laughs> I was going to say, we're talking about courageous conversations. The first one I had was when I was 17 uh, and it was with my parents uh, telling them that I'm moving from Athens. I was born and raised in Athens to the other side of the world with this guy that I just met. He was 21 and he was backpacking around Europe. So tell me, I'm telling you, that was a, a courageous conversation, that one. How long did you know him before you decided to move? Two weeks. So thing on the third oh, Maria. one, oh, no. so on the third one, and we're still together, so it's worked out really good. He's um, an amazing man, and I'm very blessed. But you know, I have a saying, and I'm, I'm, those courageous conversations that we we have with ourselves sometimes they're pivotal points of change in our life. I, I call them game changers, you know, and. You do. You, you can't not have them. If you want to make a change and if you want to grow and if you want to do different things in your life, you have to have those courageous conversations with yourself. But, um, yeah, we were going out for about two or three weeks or we knew each other and then we decided to get engaged so I can go around Greece, uh, the Greek islands with him because my parents wouldn't let me go otherwise because I was only 17. And, um, and then, yeah, I had one more year of school to finish. I finished high school at 18 and then... Um, I decided to come to Australia and, yeah, I've been here since then. That was quite a few years ago now. Fantastic. And so what did you – so talk me through the work story. So the, the business life, I soon we've always been in business for ourselves, Menos and I. We had lots of different businesses. We had franchises before real estate, and but it was, it was all in, in the hospitality industry. And the hours are very long. I mean, anyone that's been in hospitality, they know that, you know, it sort of takes over your life. Um, and it wasn't an industry that I wanted to be in for the rest of my life. So when I had my kids, I stopped working with Manos and the family because it was a family business as well. Um, and I took a couple of years break. Um, as soon as Costa uh, went to um, kinder, I think it was about three years old or, or something like that, I decided to look at different opportunities and um, I got into real estate. Now, the first year was a it was a struggle. Gee, did I have a lot of uh, courageous conversations in that year with Manuel? So he he wasn't impressed with the real estate industry at all. He wasn't very impressed with real estate agents in general. He just didn't think much of the industry. He didn't want me to be involved in it. But um, I loved it. Straight away, I fell in love with it. I, I did really well. I started in a small office in Melaliza, and um, I just enjoyed, you know, helping people and interacting with them and helping them move. That's I, I just I fell into it, but it was the best thing that ever happened. Um, so a year later, I decided I wasn't going to go back to fish and chips and takeaways and that the, our business. And I decided that I was going to open up uh, our, my own real estate office. Um, right. And after a year's worth of experience, was that one and a half? One and a half years. Okay. <laughs> you don't mess yeah. about, do you? <laughs> no. So look, I was 33, um, and that was the first time in my life that I worked for someone. 
um, we've been yeah. to ourselves all of the years. And I think that's sometimes people, you see people changing careers and you think that it needs, they need a long time to actually um, get to the next level or get into a business level. But it's not necessarily, that's not necessarily true because all of your years of experience in other industries count for what you're doing right now. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't be within the same industry. So I was ready a year and a half later. I approached my the business owner there at the time and she said that um, she could be looking at a partnership a lot later in life, but not now, maybe in five years, and, and I couldn't wait that long. So I said to Manus, I will approach the franchisees to see if they've got an office available. Now, I didn't have a license. I wasn't fully licensed, um, but I didn't see that as an obstacle. I don't know if, if it's just me being naive or I just had faith or I felt strongly that this is where our next, um, you know, business life was going to be. I just didn't, I didn't see any of it as an obstacle. I just thought we'll work it out, you know, build the parachute on the way down. Yeah. That's the thing, right? If yeah. you if you see everything as an obstacle, you never make any progress. Sometimes you've just got to take a leap of faith. Exactly. So um, I did that. I, I booked the appointment with the franchisors at the time. Uh, Manos had put some because I asked him to join me in business because his strengths are so different in mine. I would never want to go into business by myself. You know, I wanted um, his input, and um, I knew we would make a great team because we already had um, that previous businesses. So uh, he came across kicking and screaming. You've, you've heard him say this. <laughs> read the book. You know, he's saying, oh, you know, I came into real estate kicking and screaming. screaming. My wife made me do it. He says all those things, but he absolutely loves it now. Um, and, of course he does. And yeah, and we opened up our first business a uh, few months later and uh, the franchisors gave us a territory. Um, we found a, a shop front. There was nothing available, so I went door knocking. Um, the whole strip of shops and I tried to, fa- to find um, uh, obviously a shop that was available and there was someone told me that there was a uh, maternity wear business that wasn't doing very well and I had a chat with the lady and she said yeah I would love you to take over my lease but I really want to sell my business and I need to get rid of all this stock and I want $40,000 and I said look I thought about it for two seconds Leanne I swear and I just said yep you've got a deal and I said you can take (laughs) it I don't know what I'm going to do with them what did you do with all the stock? No, I didn't take them. She, I just gave her $40,000 key money, basically, and then we had to renovate the shop. Yeah. So where there's a will, there's a way, and we stayed in that for two years. Yeah. Then you started your own brand. How long had you been in business before you started Aview? So two years at Beach Street. Uh, we had a very small territory of 7,000 homes. Um, we grew that business from one board in those 7,000 homes under the NPRE banner. NPRE was the name of the franchise at the time. They've been bought out by Harcourts now. It was a family business, um, but they had quite a few offices all the way down the peninsula. So we had a territory of 7,000 homes. We grew it in two years to 50% market share. We smashed it. So good, yeah. Uh, and it was just myself, uh, my business partner now, Arthur, but he was just working for us then. And then one more person. Um, Manos was doing admin, as you know. He um, he wasn't going to go out there, list and sell property. Never. That was his words. He came to the office in a denim suit just to make sure that I don't put him in front of 
sandals. A denim suit. I need a photo of that denim suit. You know what? I should have actually kept it and framed it, but I never did. You should have. <laughs> that, that denim suit has made history now. It's been in his I'll bet. Yeah. That's hilarious. So, but you know what? That was our strength because he didn't list himself. He was able to sit in the sidelines and put all the systems in place and give us all the support that we needed to get out there and do, you know, get the office to 50% market share. And he was also able to to observe this industry that we had nothing to do with um, two years earlier. Like, so together we've been in it for two, and I've been in it for three and a half by this stage. As a business owner previously running different businesses, he was able to see it from a different angle. He just looked at it and he said, well, there's a revolving door of people coming and going. They're changing offices. They're going to the next office to see if they're going to find something better and, uh, in the next office. And it's not, it's not the problem. The problem is that um, you know, the support for the agents needs to be greater um, because what they are good doing listing and selling and uh, you know uh, and they need to have someone else looking after all of that so he came up with the idea of EVU and um, presented it to me and and we sold our business and we took a year off and and a year after we were ready to to launch and that was 13 years ago. Wow fantastic if we just go back to the 50% market share tell me how you how did you actually achieve that in such a short period of time because that's massive it is massive and we were doing and my I used to we used to listen sell in the office and Manos is better with the numbers but I've got a, a memory of maybe 20 between 23 and 25 a month and two of or three of them will fall over that was the numbers. And, and I know you've heard him say the numbers never lie and they never do. You know, it's just the averages are there. So how did we get to that stage? I think because our patch was small and I think that's where some offices actually sometimes, you know, if you've got like a big area of 20,000 home and 20,000 homes or 25,000 homes and you don't have the people on the ground looking after the territories, you dilute your efforts and instead of starting in a small area and actually really working that patch and getting the boards and boards create boards, you know, and that's how you build market share. Um, and even now we continue with that principle when we put new people on, even if they have two, two and a half thousand homes as their territory, we say to them, start with a 500. 500 and actually try and build a bit of market share there and then mushroom out. And I think, you know, <laughs> That was one. It was a, a you know a small territory, and we really uh, smashed it with advertising, and we were just out there the whole time. I think number two for me, it was like I couldn't fail. Like I just, you don't understand what it was like. It took me a year to get Manos out of the family business. He was in partnership with both his brothers. We had a really good business. We just got into this. And I couldn't fail. I had to make it work. So I just worked my ass off. Or can I say that? Absolutely. <laughs> you can say anything. Um, um, how, did you, how did you convince him to actually to do that? I don't want you to get too personal here, Maria, if that's how you convinced him. Okay. It was, no, it was, it's okay. Like we, it was a difficult time. It was a difficult time for me and Manos at that time. Um, it was. But I think... Um, I don't know. He says now that I gave him an ultimatum: your 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 uh, family and fish and chips, or me and real estate. Maybe I did. I can't remember. There were many conversations. I would have never left him for real estate. Never, because you know that's not. Yeah, you know, it didn't even cross my mind. But that's how he remembers it. So I was just so. 
I just think I was just so determined and he just knew that, you know, he's either going to come and join me and we do it together or I was going to do it by myself. So, um, yeah, I think that's what it was. Sheer determination. It took me about six months, yeah. It was hard. You wore him down. I did. I wore him down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God love you. Yep, probably. Yep, absolutely. Well, I think um, just your determination, um, you know, at 17, you know, getting engaged to someone you'd only met for a um, a couple of weeks earlier so you could go and do the Greek islands, I think um, he should have been aware of your level of determination. I don't think I I would die wondering, you know what I mean? Like I always think, well, this is what I want to do and let's go and give it a go. And what's the, even when I was 17, I remember back then, and I don't know, some people ask me, what if you were 25 and you already finished uni and you were in a career, what would you have done? I said, I don't know, maybe I would have convinced them not to stay. You know, how do I know? I don't know, I can't tell you that. But um, obviously being 17, you know, that, you know, you just, you just do stuff and you don't, you don't, you think, oh, yeah, if it doesn't work, um, I can make a change. Uh, maybe that's the philosophy, uh, you know, that I've had since then. I haven't even thought about it actually until now, maybe because that was a big step and I came across and, and I succeeded and, and I've got a beautiful marriage and kids. Maybe that's giving me, you know, the courage every time that I want to make, you know, take a huge leap of faith to do it because, I've had some really good breakthroughs when I'm really courageous, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? So you know the benefit of of feeling the fear and and actually just doing it anyway, right? Doing it anyway, yeah. Um, And so you identified that, um, or Manos more correctly identified that the lack of support was really what, even though maybe agents didn't realise that was their pain point, that actually was their pain point and so you've created that support now around the eview group we have yeah so what we've done is it's economies of scale we've centralized all the administration we've centralized our marketing our um uh, you know websites our digital uh, all of our digital um sector of, of the business everything is centralized and then our agents plug into those services um, and therefore it's it's a win-win because you know um, it's profitable for us and it's profitable for them and that's why we're able to offer those sort of higher splits but they are it's a different caliber of person that we're looking for we're looking for a, a person that wants to go into their own business I guess because that's our background you know it just we feel comfortable in aligning ourselves with people that want to run their own business and it's not for everyone absolutely not it's got to be a person that wants to back themselves um, and they have that burning desire in their tummy to go out and, um, and yeah, to do it for, for themselves and their family and, and have their own business. And it's not easy, um, but easier by supporting them, I guess. The support is definitely there, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you had, and I didn't check with you if it was okay to talk about this, so tell me if it's not and we'll go in a different direction, but you had um, a bit of a shock not that long back with Manus had a health scare. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. We can talk about that because he shared it even on Facebook, I believe. Yeah, he did. He actually remembered every every detail of the, of the event, but I think it helped him to, um, you know, it was a bit of a... Uh, Process it. It was, yeah, for him. Um, it was it was a huge scare. We, so we were holidaying at our uh, beautiful home in Crete, which you're going to come and join me next August. I certainly am. Property, property Girls, a uh, bit of a plug, a Property Girls event in Crete, August 20, 
2020. 2020, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we were in our home. We just went out to dinner uh, with uh, some of my family and cousins and 2 o'clock in the morning, he had chest pain and um, feeling numbness on the arm. And... Um, uh, I said, we need to go to hospital. He said, no, it's probably just indigestion. To cut a very long story short, about an hour later, he wasn't able to even walk to the car. I had to carry him in the car. Two o'clock in the morning, just shoved him into this little Prius. And I was going 150 kilometers an hour through you know, the villages to get to Hanya. My cousin Yanni was already there. I've, I've got an amazing family in Crete. The doctors were absolutely fantastic, but it was very serious what he had. He had 100% blockage in the main artery of his and if that happened on the plane or if we didn't get there in time, he wouldn't be with us today. So, you know, he's... Very confronting. Very confronting, yeah. Um, and the doctors were amazing. He's made full recovery. Um, we have not slowed down at all. People, when we came back, the, you know, the main questions that people ask, so are you going to slow down? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? You know, is this a wake-up call? You should stop stressing, uh, you know, blah, blah. And I'm like, we love our lives. You know, it's, it's something that it could be genetic, you know, and funny enough, he is a twin. I'm not sure if you know this. And his twin brother went ahead test done and he had a similar problem. So right? he was able to prevent it um, by Manos having, you know, this, this um, incident. Yeah. incident. Yeah. So, um, well, it's yeah, nice that something good happens out of something something so yeah. bad but I, I loved when I read Manos's post as as um, heartbreaking as it was I had to laugh out loud when um, he was giving you directions in the on how to drive to get him to the hospital I laughed oh, out loud Maria and it was like can you pass the truck and I'm thinking I'm doing 150 we're gonna kill ourselves so I'll put your hand beams off put your high, high beams on and I'm like Manos <laughs> A little bit, and I go. You need to just stop talking and breathe. You're having a heart attack. <laughs> it's funny, but yeah, I love but, it. I love it. Just yeah, <laughs> you're having a heart attack. Stop directing me and breathe. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It just gave us a deep, deeper. We, we're very appreciative people, anyway. You are. We really are. I wake up every morning and I thank God for my beautiful boys, my husband, the business that we're in, the people, my friends. You know, it's 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 we're living in a fairy tale, really, and it just gave us though a deeper appreciation because sometimes it doesn't matter how appreciative we are during the day. You know, you have challenges at work or in our businesses. God, if you're in business and you're saying that you're not having challenges, you know, you're doing something wrong. It's a dead business. You know, when there's people involved and we still get caught up and we think you know we get caught up in those challenges so something like that just reminds you to you know have a deeper appreciation and not to sweat the small stuff you know if uh, if money can fix it it's not a problem you know I think um, an American speaker said that one 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 time and I was very young when I went to one of those seminars I think I was in my early 20s and um, I think her name was Rita Davenport um, and she said, if money can fix it, I can't do the American accent, right? <laughs> it's not a problem, you know. And I thought about it and I'm thinking, you're right. You know, you, you, your car breaks down, something happens. If money can fix it, it's not a problem. It's only things that you can't fix. Um, 
you know, like your health and, and, you know, maybe relationships and all that sort of stuff that, um, you know, then yes, um, that is a problem. But everything else? I think we also have to um, realise that life isn't always good. And if you don't have the bad things, the, the difficult times, you don't actually appreciate the good times. 100%. So you have to, um, you know, when things aren't going well, you, you do have to sort of sit back and think, okay, what am I going to learn from this experience and how am I going to change moving forward? I think, you know, not only having a business but just being involved and having meaningful relationships, you know, with your kids, your friends, your, you know, even just working for someone else, doesn't matter. When people are involved, you're always going to have challenges. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, like you said, you've got to learn from those challenges and, um, and move on. And, yes, yeah, remember it next time. <laughs> remember where you're Yeah, exactly there. right. That's the thing. If uh, you learn something but then you keep doing the same mistake, then something wrong. Yeah, then, then it's a failure. <laughs> yeah, it's like you haven't learned the first time, you haven't learned the second time. God, what are you going to learn, you know? Exactly, exactly. I'll give you a courageous conversation in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that, and we've seen that in people, and I think it's because they get stuck in what's familiar and they don't know how to dig or manoeuvre their way out of that. Um, and. And I think that's where we as leaders, it's really important for us to have those courageous conversations and and get them to see that they can and they have options, you know. Yeah, people get really caught up in being right, don't they? And they, they want everyone to buy into their philosophy or their way of doing things. But in reality, there's always multiple ways of approaching every problem. Um, and all, you've got to sort of start with the, the outcome. What What is it that you're trying to achieve and how are you going to actually get there in the best way for everybody involved? Totally, totally agree, totally agree. So uh, what's next for you guys? So, um, well, next month, as you know, as quickly as this, we've, we're back in Crete for our annual um, conference, so we've got that there. Um, we, what's next? We're growing. We, we've put on another three businesses last month. Um, one inter- two interstate um, and one here, but we're talking to quite a few more people. It's just recruitment and helping people achieve their business goals one postcode at a time. We One postcode at a time, yeah. Yeah, and that's the goal. The goal is, um, I think, a 1,000 postcodes in the whole of Australia. I don't know, you could ask my husband. I think, I'm pretty sure that's why... I was going to say Manos would know. Yeah, yeah. That, I'm pretty sure that's why he says 1,000 YBYBs, uh, which is your brand, your business. Um that's another really um, huge point of difference with us. We, our uh, members have their own brand and the members of the EV group. So every single business out there has got their own brand, their own identity. Um, and there's, uh, you know, we only, we can list and sell anywhere, but there's only one EV group proud member in each postcode. So in each postcode, yeah. Keep growing, keep helping people. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So if people want to actually um, get in touch with you and find out a little bit more about eView, how do they find you? Uh, either email myself, maria at eview.com.au or give me a, a call on my mobile, 0417-301-875. Beautiful. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us this afternoon. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much, Leanne. Thank you for having me. 